China might have a bit of a different population profile to Australia, but its geography is remarkably similar. Most of the population live on the eastern seaboard, in the southeast corner, actually. The further you go west, the smaller the communities, the less economic development that exists, and the greater levels of, broadly speaking, disadvantage, and in our context, issues with rural schooling and rural health. However, we'll talk about rural schooling in today's session, not so much health. It's these international contexts that I find really interesting. How is it that we have so many similarities across the world in rural issues, but the national context, histories and cultures are themselves so different? What is it then that causes rural marginalisation? Can it be a national thing? Or is there something more about rurality in modernity? I think when we look at national developments across the world and the move towards urban cultures, there's that marginalisation of the rural that occurs, regardless of the national culture or its particular national histories. And this is a challenge, because whilst ever developing or countries that are seeking to enhance their economic development focus on globalised notions of economics, test scores, measures, then they're copying a version of modernity where the rural has been marginalised in those countries themselves in the past. And I think we see that in China. A lot of similarities between Australia and China as we're here in today's conversation with Leisha Chin. Leisha is at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and has previously had a role at Shanxi Normal University in Xi'an, China. Now, I spent a couple of weeks at Xi'an, Xi'an, China last year at the university doing some work and have an adjunct professor role at that university, I should declare. And previously before that, I spent time at Northwest Normal University in Longzhou looking at other issues to do with rural education in China. So it's a particular interest of mine. Attracting teachers, getting them to stay is a common issue in China as it is in Australia. Indeed, there's many similarities. A couple of key differences as you were here in our conversation, but surprisingly not as many. All largely linked to policy decisions and the idea of where the rural sits in the modern economy of present-day China. Over to our conversation with Lisha Chin. Lisha, welcome to our conversations. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Uh, Lisha's been a, uh, a, a colleague of mine. We've had many chats around the topic of rural schools in China over the last uh, year or so. Talked about a lot of data and things. It's been, uh, been quite fun. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Lisha, can you tell us a little bit about rural China? Uh, rural China in general, right? Yeah, in general, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. I think um, just like many other countries, uh, China still actually, you know, have, has to face a big issue in terms of the rural areas, not just economic or in general society and the uh, for me, I think uh, the major issue is education. Mm -hmm. So, and also that's my, one of my focuses, you know, since I was in China, since I worked in China, Shanxi Normal University as a faculty. So we still have a lot of struggles, especially, you know, geographically, and yeah. the rural area, the rural schools in north, Northwest China has, even more challenges and issues, problems than other areas, you know, other, other areas, rural areas. So you were in um, at, at Chansey mm -hmm. Normal University 
in Xi'an. Mm-hmm. I had, the, I had yes. the, the, the pleasure of spending some time there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in the northwest. There's, there's yeah. a fair bit of um, what, disparity in development in some of those northwestern regions compared to the mm-hmm. eastern seaboard in China, isn't there? There's a big uh, difference or gap, let's call it a gap or disparity, as you said. Yeah. Now, just between uh, regions, northwest and uh, some coast area in China, the big difference between them. Also, of course, you know, it's very common for us to see the difference between city or urban, you know, and rural area in China. But this difference in northwest is even larger or bigger between the city and the rural rurals in northwest region. Yeah. I guess this is a bit of a, a bit of a consequence of the, the rapid economic development of China in the last generation or so, I guess. Yes. There's been, uh, mm-hmm. been big changes and a lot, of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of land, a lot of people in which to, to link mm-hmm. up to those changes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in terms then of the, the broad economic base, so there's, there's a lot of um, areas that haven't developed very rapidly mm-hmm. in the rural areas. Mm-hmm. That impacts education, you're saying. So mm-hmm. what sort of impacts do you see in those schools educationally? The impact... Um, let me see how I can actually put this. Uh, well, uh, actually, I would like to, because this is actually also my one of my major research topics. Um, That's why we're talking to you, Alicia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> About teacher, you know, teacher turnover in rural area. That's uh, one of the impact, impacts I, I can tell, you know, in yeah. here. So... Here's actually a one of the example I can share with you. Um, although China, in China, government has been doing a lot of, um, actually have paid a lot of efforts, you know, to attract, to recruit, and also to retain, you know, teachers in rural area. But there are still actually many issues that, you know, teachers just don't want to stay or don't want to go. Well, they have to go, when they have to go, they will stay there for a few years and then quickly leave. Mm-hmm. For example, I have talked to some of my former students who used to or are still teaching in rural schools, you know, and about their experiences. So something very interesting I found out. They told me that, of course, there are so many differences between teaching in rural and teaching in city. But the biggest difference is their experiences outside the classroom. Okay. For example, the isolated life they have to deal with, you know, on their daily basis. And also lack of some basic facilities and the transportation, all of those issues have made their life, you know, more challenging. While they have to also overcome many teaching problems in schools. So, um, I actually, in the last year, um, for uh, one of my projects I, ha- I have been doing, I talked to around 10 former students, you know, the uh-huh. students I taught, you know, when I was in China. So, out of those 10 students, nine of them have left, left the rural schools they used to teach. The reason they went to rural school to teach there because of a program. 
this is a kind of free tuition, basically free everything for them, and they can just, you know, government will support them for four years college study. And the condition is at least they have to teach in rural area for three to five years. Some of them even have to do more. Mm -hmm. But right after, you know, this commitment, you know, completed, they just left. And then they just said, if the the just they just cannot handle the challenges they have to handle, you know, have to face every day in there. Most of the time it's outside the school outside the classroom, that's a challenge they have to face. I think one of the major reasons is about economic, as we just said. And for those Northwest areas, the rural schools actually located in a very, you know, still very poor area. Basically, you know, that's the still, when the teacher go there, they actually, they, they will find they are in the middle of nowhere. You know, that, that kind of situation. Also, they also told me like they have to handle longer working hours and much worse working conditions, you know, compared to their city, you know, friends, city teacher friends, okay. which often result in, you know, make them feel like resulting in like big disappointed and the confusion, like why I'm here, why I have to stay longer? You know, I have finished my five year commitment. Can I leave now? This kind of question constantly, you know, you know, they have those questions. Mm. So okay. unlike most city teachers in, you know, those schools, you know, those t city teachers, they usually only teach one specific subject. But one of my students told me, you know, when they were in a rural school, she's a Chinese teacher, which means she, her major, uh, major subject is Chinese. It's just like English teacher here. So she's a Chinese teacher. But when she was in a rural school, she has to teach actually basically everything, you know, for one class. She basically, even including the PE, you know, music, everything, you know, as long as she can teach, she has, she has a responsibility for them. So often, it's, it's not just that, that, often many of them also have to take on actual responsibilities that relate to like student living, dining, and other needs, many, many other needs. So those still, you know, again, just as I said, you know, they actually have to pay much actual work and time and energy than their teacher, city, you know, teachers. So those are situations that are still actually currently happening in, you know, rural areas in China. So we're hearing a, a lot there of things that are, I think, very similar to other parts of the world around mm -hmm. things we've talked in the Australian context in our mm -hmm. previous conversations around a lot linked mm -hmm. to the social context that at least mm -hmm. in, our, in our situation here, a lot of teachers don't find some of the regional communities very attractive places to live, um, access mm -hmm. to services and the other, the economic base providing um, not enough opportunity for them to engage with broad broad resources. So that sort of similar similarity community of community context is certainly coming through in what you're what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly can also hear those things around uh, having to do other roles. Small schools seems to be coming in, so staffing shortages and small schools and teaching across ranges of subjects. They all seem to be mm -hmm. common things that you're you're referring to there, which other teachers don't have to do. Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned um, the the conditions 
of the in the school. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. are they, would you say they're they're not resourced as well as city schools? Uh, they are not. Uh, as in the the buildings and the the materials they have to use in the classroom, are they as good mm-hmm. as city schools, or are they a bit uh, in, no. need of, in need of a bit more support? Well, actually, you know, sometimes they, they don't, the teacher has sometimes, uh, you know, they told me they have, sometimes they have to be very creative mm-hmm. in terms of teaching materials, the student learning materials, because they don't have them. And, but meanwhile, they still have to uh, finish all of the teaching tasks and uh, the requirements from the syllabus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then sometimes they also have to buy, you know, some materials out of their own package. That's another thing. So, and then they complain and they, you know, report to the principal, they report to the local school district, but the most of the time the answer is, well, we don't have money or let's wait, you know, maybe next semester we will have those, you know, things that you need, some very basic things. Mm. So that's the, I sometimes I cannot believe because it you now those issues have been there like almost since you know I start you know I started paying attention on rural education since almost ten or fifteen years ago, and I read a lot of you know um, materials about you know rural education in China since you know nineteen eighties you know mm-hmm. those issues were there but currently they are still there. So after 20, even 30 years later, they are still here. And the education um, budget, you know, school budget is still always a big issue, you know, for the principals, you know, for the local school districts. So, and uh, sometimes um, they said, the teacher said, well, I cannot complain too much because as long as they, they pay me on time. You know, they can pay my salary on time. I'm not going to say, okay, I don't have this textbook. I don't have this student practice, you know, materials. No, I'm okay. So they actually sometimes, the teacher has to, you know, has to worry about some basic thing. Like, you know, do I have, you know, my salary for next month? So pay paycheck for next month. Anyway, so that's the situation now. They are still facing. And of course, it can be a major reason why we cannot keep those teachers in rural area. So that's actually, I, I just I wanted to you know, keep going a little bit further about the rural teacher turnover because as I said, this is really oh, my, even my- Please do, because I'm gonna ask you about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> my dissertation, you know, part of my dissertation topic. So, well, um, I just uh, read a recent study indicate, you know, about the Chinese teacher and rural teacher turnover. So the study indicated that every year, the percentage of rural teachers transferring or moving to, you know, city school, or they just move out of, out of the rural schools. They don't know, people don't know where they go, but they move out, you know, the, those small yeah. village or, you know, or rural schools. This percentage increased by um, 7.6% each year. But meanwhile, the turnover rate for city teacher still always keep relatively low and stable. So, of course, as a consequence, the rural schools are often, you know, staffed by, you know, the county students from very low-ranking academic institutions. 
that's uh, the situation we have to face. Shenzhenovo University, the university I used to work, uh, um, it's actually quite good a teacher education focused university in China. We can call it very high, you know, ranking, you know, university in China in terms of teacher education. And the, the majority of students, after they graduate, you know, they will, yeah. if they can choose, they will not choose to go to a rural school and they have very good job marketing in cities. Even some, you know, major capital cities, they can easily find jobs. So that's why government had this, you know, new policy and program trying to attract more low-income, you know, students, you know, county high school students, you know, to this program and pay them everything, you know, the tuition, boarding fee, everything, you know, in order to, you know, send them later on, send them to rural school. But the result I say, I observe now is that, you know, well, yeah, majority, you know, the school on this program, the free teacher education program, they did go to rural schools, you know, for three years or five years. Some of them, while what I heard is they never went, they never did that because, you know, through some special network or special help from family or from other, you know, heart anyway, they just got chance to get out of the, this uh, commitment or contract, you know, right after their graduation. So that's another, I, I don't have exact number, the, you know, what the percentage or portion of, you know, graduates, you know, they just get out of the contract, you know, right after graduation. But yes, so that's how they just, you know, try to avoid, you know, teaching in rural areas. And for those teach, teachers, as I said, the students, they went to uh, rural areas and teach there and for three years, and five years and then most of them left. And because again, it's very easy with Shanxi Normal University, this degree, you know, certificate, it's easy for them to get a um, city school, uh, even small city, they can move to a large town or small city school, you know, very easily. So that's so, how we, yes, go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, so the, the incentive to, to staff the schools is the free training and, uh, and yes. a job, but the, mm -hmm. uh, it's not an incentive to stay, so it just enhances turnover. So you constantly need mm -hmm. to keep, keep backfilling. Speaking of the measures. I was going to say, that, those notions around um, yes. trying to attract rural students with free tuition to go uh -huh. back to rural schools is something that came up a lot when I was um, over there last year talking to people about the strategies, mm -hmm. but they don't have a long-term a long-term outcome, especially when yeah. you say they're that concern around um, uh, getting paid being a primary concern, which is probably not something familiar to a lot of people in, in my context, but is a very real situation. Mm -hmm. the, the, just to clarify on that funding issue before you go on, mm -hmm. the, the schools are, are largely funded by the, the provinces, aren't they? But there's increasing central government support that's mm -hmm. becoming one of these mm -hmm. equity strategies but primarily it's a province base. So the, the richer the provinces, like on the Eastern Seaboard, the more resources, whereas the uh, more economically challenged provinces in the West, they have less resource mm -hmm. bases in general. That's, yes. that's about right, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So you, you're yeah. going to mention then uh, about, um, about the teachers. The teacher training in China, I think it's, 
while you have the normal university like Chancy Normal, which has teaching, teachers don't need to be, uh, they don't need to do a degree in teaching. They can do like a history degree, do the teaching exam and become a teacher. That's correct. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the skills of the teacher as a teacher are a really important issue. So it's access to professional development as they start the profession becomes mm-hmm. a really crucial issue in raising the quality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you know, that's a very good point because that's uh, the point. That's a topic actually I want to just, you know, have some more discussion here in terms of, you know, the teacher training, the teacher training in rural areas. Well, before talking about that, I actually, I want to just go a little bit, you know, go back a little bit about uh, what we said about the government, you know, strategies or the measures to retain or recruit teachers for, you know, for rural areas. Currently, what I see in here, we actually major, they have three major measures, you know, to, how to say, to support rural area teaching, you know, staffing. So the first, as we said, it's a very regular, just try to always try to say, okay, we have good, you know, treatment for those rural schools. You know, if you come, you know, we can have some more like, you know, they always trying to, how to say, I don't want to say promise, but it's kind of promise like, okay, you know, because for many graduates, you know, getting a stable job is still number one priority. So the government always, you know, trying to say, okay, although it's teaching in rural area, but you know, the teaching position is very stable in China. It's just as stable as like working in government. Okay. So, and also secondly, it's about, you know, promise about the salary. So we, I have been, you know, following up with, uh, you know, the kind of the policy the central government was trying to implement. It's about, okay, we will increase uh, rural teacher salary by, I don't know, 20 or 30%. The last 10 or 15 years, I have heard a lot the kind of news or some announcements that they're going to have this new policy, like, you know, trying to support rural teachers. But anyway, this is a, one of the major ways they are trying to attract, you know, teachers, you know, teaching in rural areas. The second one is what we said, the free teacher education program. They provide, you know, the funding to support these graduates and then make them, you know, go to rural school you know, to teach at least a couple of years. And the third one now they are doing, it's kind of relatively it's a new one for me. Yeah. They are trying to, you know, recruit high-quality city teachers and outstanding retired teachers to teach, to teach in rural area as volunteers. The term is volunteers. Okay. Yeah. So in this, within this new measure, I don't see any more like um, money-related reward or, or you know, or attractiveness, something like that. It's more about, okay, you know, uh, how to say it? Um, it's more a kind of encouragement saying, you know, rural students need, need you. And uh, you can teach as a volunteer. Like, I don't know how, because I still need more information, but yeah. I have seen 
several news reports and some other, you know, information from different sources talking about how they have attracted, you know, many high quality city teachers and very good retired teachers, you know, to rural area to teach as volunteers. So that's something very interesting. Yeah, I think I saw something about that as part of the um, the rural equalization strategy, as part of the rural revitalization plan. That sort of notion mm-hmm. of, of serving the nation and, and serving the, the poor rural areas that are disadvantaged. And something mm-hmm. with the teachers being encouraged and principals doing principal transfers for a couple of years. They can go and work and then come back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a bunch of rural schools using... The technology where, where they have access to the internet that is mm-hmm. to, um, to sort of yeah. share to share resources as well. So the sort of uh-huh. it's sort of drawing on that notion of uh, of helping the the less advantaged, isn't it? It's using a sort of very altruistic motivation in, as part of its approach. It seems exactly exactly. The so, the, the last mm-hmm. one of the last issues I think I, I, I might just get you to, to mm-hmm. touch on, Alicia, is the um, the thing we hear a lot about the left behind children is the other mm-hmm. the other issue facing rural areas because there's yeah the, the numbers change depending on how the, the policy determines who's left mm-hmm. behind but there's you know let's let's conservatively say maybe 12 to 15 million children who are living in regional areas with grandparents while their parents work in the city so mm-hmm. that's a um, that's a big issue isn't it because the, the you talk about the social context that the teachers don't like when the yeah. uh, children are living with grandparents who might not speak English, which is a mandatory mm-hmm. subject that they all have to pass, it starts mm-hmm. to uh, affect the quality of education as well, doesn't it? Exactly. Actually, you know, children left behind is still a big issue. Again, you know, all of those uh, rural-related issues, you know, are usually much more serious and bigger in north northwest area. Mm. So. Um, I think, you know, that's another kind of reason sometimes I have to say that have affect, you know, teaching, you know, staff in rural area as well. Because, you know, we have so many, you know, children, you know, who, you know, don't have any, you know, property, you know, support, family support, you know, and especially from the support from parents. So they actually more rely on school teachers. That's, I guess I mentioned, you know, one of my students told me she actually has to spend much more time and energy on many, you know, outside classroom things because many of her um, students don't have parents. They only have very aged, you know, grandparents who basically know nothing about the school. Mm. So for many times, the thing she's doing to help them for children is not even study related. It's some very basic, like what I can eat for dinner, or you know, I don't have you know shoes to go to school for next day, something like that. Yeah. So she said, she says she's more like just teacher. She's sometimes she feel like she's, although she does, she's very young. She she doesn't have any children, but she feel like partially, and that's her job to be a parent, you know, in there yeah. to help children. Yeah. So. The major reason is because those children, you know, many of them don't have parents there, you know. 
Yeah, I hear a lot of um, uh, sort of analogous stories in Australia from teachers in real, rural areas that do a lot of uh, what we call sort of welfare, social work, helping the children out who don't have or don't have shoes, etc. Things as you were saying, but the um, but not nowhere near to the scale that you're talking about, and nothing like we don't tend to have children living um, with grandparents on that same scale. Where we do, it's usually something to do with uh, the, the parents having. Uh, issues around mental health or, or drugs. Okay, but just for the people who aren't familiar with the policy background, this sort of issue arises out of the household registration system, doesn't it? Where where um, the, the children or the parents don't have the right to free education in the city. They have rights to free education where they're registered, which is the country. So the children stay at home where they can access that while the parents are off working. We have the opposite. Yeah. We don't have that system here. And that's probably the main difference mm-hmm because a lot of the attraction and retention issues are very similar to the issues that we experience over here. Mm-hmm. But we would do, we have the opposite where a lot of our country families send their children to the city to be educated while they mm-hmm. stay back in the country and work on properties. But, uh, but it's, it's the household registration is the main driver there, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Would that be right? The household registration system is the main, the main cause of that, that phenomenon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, so are there any key issues we haven't touched on yet, Leisha? Bearing in mind, I don't want to take too much of your, of your time. No, mm-hmm. I, that's okay. Well, actually, um, what we just said here just remind me about another kind of small thing I noticed, observed, but also can be very concerning really in terms of, you know, teachers in rural areas. Mm-hmm. I actually... I observe, um, it's a not new feature, but the feature of teachers' age structure in rural area, the rural teachers' age, age structure. Nice. And nice. guess what? Uh, it's very interesting to see, you know, the major, you know, rural teachers, you know, the age structure is the two extreme side. You know, they are either very young, newly hired, recruited. Nice. Or they are gonna retire very soon. So there's a big, you know, missing point is about the middle part. The teacher who are still young with but with very good experiences, like we call the mid age, you know, or you know, experienced teachers. We can call it usually in many literature they call it experienced teachers. Yeah. So that's a major part actually we are missing in rural area. They are either too young because you know. The schools keep losing teachers. They have to keep, you know, recruiting new teachers. And those, where's those new teachers? Usually, they are graduate students with zero teaching experiences. Or the teacher, you know, they will not go anywhere. They are old. They're gonna retire, and they just, you know, they are ready to do, you know, to leave. So that's okay. the thing. Yeah, the situation now we have in China's rural area as well. That's another interesting um, commonality. I think we have a very similar scenario over here. We have a lot of young, mm-hmm. a lot of young teachers start their career mm-hmm. in rural areas, even though it's mm-hmm. still hard to staff. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of young teachers who leave, or or the ones who stay tend to have uh, decided to make that local place their home, and they live locally and mm-hmm. they stayed there for a long period of time. And it's a middle period where people leave themselves often to have their own families. The only difference being it's often also a stepping stone to leadership. So you'll see people coming back into leadership roles in rural areas and then going back off mm. to the city. So, but I think that that disparity of being young and much more 
old local residences is a yeah. um, a very co a common thing that we would we would have here as well. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It sort of find interesting these international comparisons is how you have uh, yeah, two very different, two very different countries, similar uh -huh. geographies in some ways, but uh, <laughs> very different populations, very different cultures and history. But, exactly. um, but but a, a number of similar similar issues and a couple of key differences, like the one around the household registration, which is a, a policy issue rather than a sort of that's true. A, a broader social issue. That's true. There's a there's a lot to be learned by um, comparing experiences internationally. I think. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Lisa, um, we've taken a lot of your time. I'll I'll finish um, our conversation here and and thank you for for joining us for our conversation thank today. So thank you. So that was my conversation with Lisha Chin. It'd be good for us to reflect on some of those commonalities and differences that we highlighted throughout the conversation and start asking ourselves, what does this mean for how we understand these contexts and what we can do in a policy sense? Because you see there's some key policy issues around resourcing and even how people have access to schooling and so forth that impacts what we see here. In our next conversation, we should be talking to uh, Karen Epley about rural education in the United States.